Welcome to Coffee Time, a show about life, relationships, faith, and family. Here are your hosts, Dr. Andy and Rennie Bowman. Welcome to Coffee Time with Andy. And this is Rennie, your loving wife. How are you today? I'm marvelous. We're willing to welcome everybody to Coffee Time. And um, I think we've got an interesting subject here today. I've been watching a lot of these things happen in people's lives around us and in my own. And uh, you want to tell them what it is? Yeah, we, as a pastor and pastor's wife through the years, we have seen a lot of pain. We've seen a lot of falling down. And we've seen a lot of people get up, but we've seen a lot of people not get up. Yeah, it's natural. It's kind of like watching a baby when he starts toddling around. And you know that he's going to be happy about walking, but... But he's, he's going to fall down a lot learning how to walk. Down. That is just absolutely natural. He's going to fall. He's going to bump his shins. He's going to bump his head. He's going to cry. But he's going to learn. Well, and it would be pretty disastrous for that child if all he did was fall down and just laid there and never tried to get up again. I tell you, off the subject, but it's also disastrous to watch the helicopter mom who hovers over him and will not let him fall because she's afraid he's going to cry. Yeah, we try to spare people from discomfort and we pain do. in our lives. We do. If you love them, you don't want to see them hurt, but they do have to learn. But the truth of the matter is, and a lot of people that we watch, it seems like they fall into a situation and that's bad enough, but some of them never recover. They never seem to learn their lesson, never seem to get out of it. Yeah, when you fall down, you you may cry because it hurt and it made you feel stupid, but you got to get up, dust yourself off, learn from it, hopefully, and go on. Well, let's let's just be honest here. A lot of people fall into such sin and they don't think that they're worth getting up, and they just think this is my new lifestyle, and I think I'll just lay here and water around a little bit. Exactly. When some people, I, I, I can't tell you if there's a, a classification or a category, but there's some people who, when they fall down, they just don't get up and get out of that. And they walk around feeling guilt and feeling shame. And then you have to understand how you look at yourself determines your behavior. So if you feel guilt and shame about yourself that determines your behavior so guess what your behavior is going to be it's going to be just as bad as what you think of yourself and that's exactly what god did not want us to do exactly well let's just be honest here in our culture that one of the major problems i see in families and particularly among men is the subject of pornography and guys get into it and then they're told by their inner self or the devil himself that this is who you are, this is how you are. And so it's very difficult for him to break that cycle and and walk away from get it and get away from it, get up out of it. Yeah. Yeah, I can understand that. And same thing in women's lives. They they get themselves into a predicament, they get themselves into a situation. And I believe that I believe very much in a Satan, and I believe Satan tells them from then on, see, this is what you did. This is all you are. You might as well just stay there. And they believe it. 
Well, let's be honest again. A lot of us grew up with parents or family that pigeonholed us that uh, mm-hmm. you're a loser, you're always going to be a loser, you're the you're the black sheep of the family. We use little terms like that, sometimes jokingly, but it kind of self-perpetuates the, the You're absolutely fear. right. You're absolutely right. I, we both, Andy has a doctorate in counseling, and I, I wasn't that ambitious. I only got a master's degree in counseling, but we both learned the very same thing, that in families, there are certain positions that psychologically get filled. And one of them is the hero child. And that child can not fail. The, posi- the, the, the pressure's put on them. You will not fail. True? Oh, yeah. It wasn't me. Wasn't <laughs> me. And then there was, the, I'm trying to remember all of them. It's been so long since I've Well, the one we're talking about is basically the scapegoat. Yeah, there's the he one. He's the one that messes up. Well, there is another one, and it's usually the young, usually the hero child is usually the older one. The parents, parents believe they're going to be the perfect parent, and their child is going to be perfect, and they put all sorts of pressure on them to be perfect. So that child is taught from the very beginning, I must be perfect. And then another child that comes along is the usually the younger one in a family, and that's the little, I call him the, the, the clown, the squirrel. He's the one that can... Make everybody laugh. He's the one that everybody lets get by with he's everything. Cu- he's, he's cute. He's cute. He's the baby, and so everything's excused. And he learns his position in the family is to make everybody laugh. When the situation in, in, in the family gets too tense, he's the one that's the tension reliever. And he learns that's what he is. So he goes through life with that subconscious reality inside of himself of, I am the clown. I am the tension reliever. But the downside of that is, as a little kid, he never had to learn responsibility. He was the baby. The hero had to take responsibility. He didn't. So as he grows into an adult, unless he learns not to do that, he becomes an adult clown, an adult tension reliever. He's the one that's fun to be having a party. He's a blast. But he does have trouble sometimes accepting responsibility. What's another one in the family? Well, like I said, the scapegoat, the one that's always in trouble, the one that everybody expects to be in trouble. I think I was more like that myself. <laughs> is that you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was me. Are you okay over there? Yeah. But, Did you get a tickle in your throat? Yeah, it ain't funny. But anyway, <laughs> uh, and this is what we're talking about a lot of times. People have a tendency to get themselves in a situation, don't know how to get out, and that's what is expected of them, so that's what they stay with. We are grateful here at Coffee Time for one of our best corporate sponsors. It's Brinkley Farm Equipment Auctions. That's BrinkleyFarmAuctions.com in Idabel, Oklahoma, one of the nation's best and largest farm equipment auction services. You might get online and check them out. Tell Larry hello from Andy and Rainey. So the other character that we're basically talking about can be the scapegoat which is the one that's yes gets just the blame that is the basic the one we want to talk about today is the scapegoat when you're raised as a scapegoat you are the one let's say you're raised in a family of five and 
You were you were in five. So what uh, yeah, you? yeah, I noticed that. <laughs> we use you. You were one of five, and you had a baby sister and a baby brother that I I know. And when from what I could hear, what I know of your family, no matter even if they did it, it ended up being your fault that they did that. Or at least I took it that way. Yeah. But the problem is that becomes your role, and that's what you think of yourself. That when you're 16, 18, 40, you're still. The scapegoat. You're still falling into things, and it's your fault and your responsibility. And and you believe that's what you are, and so you just do it, and you don't realize there is another way to live and another way to think about yourself and yeah. to feel about yourself. That's interesting because the Bible even says that as a man thinks in his heart, that's what he becomes. So you think that you're dirty, you're going to act dirty. Okay, let's. I love that is one of my verses. I absolutely love. It. Let's go back to that. As a man. That's man or woman, as a man thinketh in his heart. Now, the heart, Dr. Bowman, means what in the Bible? The inner being, the inner thinking of yourself. Yeah, the very... The real you. The real you, what you believe and know is the real you. As a man thinketh in his heart... So he becomes. So he will become. That means whatever you believe about yourself in the dead of night, where it's just you... Whatever you think about yourself, that will determine your behavior. And so we're watching people, and I've always watched people, that would fall into sin. A man would get in a relation, illicit relationship or get into a bad habit, and you wonder, how can you do that? But then how can you stay there? But if that's all you know, and that's what you believe about yourself, sometimes... You can fall into the mud pretty deep, and it's easier to stay there than it is to get up and deal with it. Especially if you were taught you're a mud dweller. That's all you think about yourself. Absolutely. You, uh, through the years, you've been a pastor for a long time, so I've heard a lot of sermons, and and I've heard a lot of sermons quite a few times (laughs) because I've been married to you for so long. And one of the favorites... Our two, we had two boys, two grown boys, and one of their favorite sermons, and one of mine, and, and you always seem to have so much fun preaching it, was a story that came from directly from your own life. Yeah. And uh, I wrote it up as a coffee time the other day, and I think I titled it, what was it, Girls? With Jeans and Johnson Grace. Yeah. So, and it pertains and illustrates exactly what we're talking about here. So why don't you, in your own words, you don't have to preach at me. I wouldn't do <laughs> But go ahead and tell that story for me and for the listeners again. Okay. When I was probably 13, maybe 14 years of age, uh, our little rural church, we had vacation Bible school during the summertime. And... We All the kids would come and we'd have class. Well, I got wind that a particularly pretty little girl that I was trying to impress was going to attend one day. So I got up that morning and looked my finest. I put on my brand new, what we called, wheat-colored jeans. Not white, not brown. They were wheat-colored is what we referred to them as. And I put them on, going to go impress Debbie. And my mother stopped me in the hallway and said, you're not wearing your brand new wheat jeans to Bible school. You'll get them dirty. And I tested. I would not get them dirty. I'd protect them. I'm going to look good for Debbie is my thought. Well, she argued. And so when she was busy with the other four kids, I slipped into the back seat of the car and off to Bible school we went. I'm wearing my wheat jeans. Well, every morning when you have vacation Bible school, uh, they take a break. To get yeah, the, 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 those poor, harried, harassed teachers 
turn you all out to pasture so they can get a few minutes yeah, of rest. Uh, they got to add 30 minutes to recover before they kill us all, huh? <laughs> That's right. So we're out, uh, a bunch of kids, and we're out playing on the yard. And in our little church, we had a large area out back that we could play in. It was all mowed and cleaned up. And in that rural church, they have a tendency uh, to just run a pipe from the kitchen sink and drain it out into the far recesses of the property. Now, you have to understand, this was not yesterday. This was years ago. Let's not talk about how far back. <laughs> I didn't say how far back. But back then, out in the country, which is where your church was, small rural church, there was no laws against just taking the kitchen dirty water and draining it out on the ground. And so, so that's exactly what they had done. So they did. And we all knew, because we'd been in that church for a long time, we all knew where that water was. And in the summertime, there would be Johnson grass, which is a tall, weedy grass. And it grew there when nothing else would, because that's a kind of nasty little place. It was wet. It was muddy. And imagine it, it stunk pretty oh, bad. Oh, it smelled. And so we all knew, when you get close to the Johnson grass, Stop. stop. Well, we were playing out there, and the teachers came out and called for us, rang the bell, and it's time to come back in. And my friend, who was a great athlete, he just said, he had a football, and he said, Andy, go for a long one. And I'm thinking, this is my chance to impress this girl. So I take off running my full extent of my speed, and I ran as far as I could trying to catch this ball he had thrown the way down the field. And just... As it came over my shoulder, I stretched out my hands, leaped as far as I could, did my best Jerry Rice imitation, cradled that ball in my fingers to my chest, and landed full out in the drain field because somebody had mowed the Johnson grass and I didn't know where the spot was. <laughs> and I splattered and I slid and there I am in the middle of about six inches deep muck and my wheat jeans are no longer pristine, shall we say. And if I remember right, you're telling that when you looked up, your little girlfriend you wanted to impress was vanishing into the church and your mother was coming out of the church. Yeah, they did. Mom come out and I could see her from a distance wagging her finger and her mouth was flopping and she was... Questioning my heritage, shall we say? <laughs> and and you had no idea what you, you had no doubt, but what you knew what your future was oh, going to be. <laughs> so I got up and I'm covered from head to toe, and I'm standing there trying to scrape off the mud. Yuck. And Mom had to take me home and hose me down, I think. But I always tell people on that story, it was really stupid, probably, to do what I did and to wind up in the mud. We can all agree, every mother listening would agree to that. However. Yeah, yeah. she had told you, do not wear those jeans, you're gonna get them dirty. She knew you, after all, you were the scapegoat. <clears throat> yeah, but it would have been even more stupid and irresponsible if I'd have just stayed in the mud, rolled around, did a backstroke, just got more and more mud on me. And that's what a lot of people do. They fall into something intentionally, unintentionally. But that's pretty. That can be pretty stupid and and pretty you know irresponsible. But I think it's a whole lot worse to stay in it. Yeah, if you had just out of embarrassment and guilt and shame, you didn't want to face your mother. No. And so the, you could have thought, I don't want to get up out of here. But that would have been so much worse. You've been just living in it. At what point do you get out of it? Exactly. 
And, you know, the Bible talks about a story that is very famous called the prodigal son. And we know that he went, left home, had everything, winds up having nothing, and he's in the hog pen. And it's not that he would even eat the hog food. It's just he would have eaten just the husk that so, the hog food came in. Okay, now, now, now for some people who didn't grow up around garden, farm, tell them what a husk is. Husk is just a shell. It's not the food. It's just the shell. Peas, beans, all that come in a shell. Corn. Corn. And the Bible says he would have just eaten the husk. But there was a special thing in there. said he came to himself. Mm. He came to himself. What does that mean? He went back to the real him that he had been taught better, that there was a moral fiber down inside, I believe, that knew, I just cannot live here in the hog pen. There's more to life than this, and I got to get out of this mess. Just like I was about to, I was doing everything I could to get out of that mess out behind the church. <laughs> but I think my mess was just starting when Mama came and caught me. <laughs> so in the Bible story, he came to himself and he said, What am I doing here? I'm going to go home and go back to my father, and I won't even, I won't even be trying to be a son. I'll just be a hired servant, right? That's what the Bible says. And a lot of people, they get themselves in a mess. They get in the hog pen. They fall in the muck. And they don't ever bother or even even have it within themselves to say, I don't have to stay this way. And so they just stay that way. And I think that, could it be, Andy, the difference between were they, were they raised as a hero? Were they raised as a lost child, which is another category? Were they raised as the little scapegoat? Or were they raised as a as, as, as a little clown? If they were raised as a scapegoat, I wonder if it could be much easier for them to think, it's just me. This is what I am. It's what I'll always be. I'll just lay here. It could be. And parents, inadvertently, we train and teach our kids some lessons that not always good for them. And... <clears throat> We've seen people that got into drugs or alcohol or a relationship they shouldn't be in. Some of them realize, I'm in a mess and I've got to get out of this. I've got to get out. I can be more than this. Some don't. And they live their life and they can be miserable and they put on a shiny face and clean face, but um, it's really not real and they're hurting, but they just, they keep wallowing around in their own muck and their own sin. Um, it's a choice. It is a choice, and I agree with that. But I tend to go back to, because of my training, I guess, that I wonder if it's the scapegoats that don't know how to get out of it. But you can't just say that's the way it has to be and that's an inevitability. That's not true. I think that even the scapegoat has to realize, dang, no matter what I've been taught, or what I thought. Or believe about myself. Or believe about myself. There's something better for me than this. Young people need to understand, for example, that they don't have to continue doing what they've been doing. Even adults, you don't have to keep doing what you're doing. There's a better way, and you can get up and get out of it. I know that sometimes we deal with a lot of addictions, but I just really want you to understand, folks, that 
you can get help. You can make a decision. I want to be out of this. And there are some help available. Yeah, I think we're, what we're both trying to say is whether you were raised in which category, whether you were a scapegoat or you were a hero or you were the little clown or you were the lost child whose needs were ignored, it may be harder for the scapegoat to get out, but everybody can get out of the mud and change out of their wheat jeans. The, the, your creator made a way out for you. I don't care what category in the family you were raised as. Everybody has a way out. God made a way. Well, he offers grace and forgiveness for anything and for anybody. For anybody. It doesn't matter how bad you've gone, fallen or how deep the mud is. Because see, right. mom took me home and after a severe chastising, <laughs> Uh, I took a shower and she washed my clothes and uh, we went on with life because I didn't choose to stay in the mud. And there's a lot of times those things happen. We think this just is my life, but it doesn't have to be. It doesn't not have to be. Because God has better things for you. Absolutely. Than what we settle for sometimes. So. Okay, I guess I've talked all I want to talk about. How about you? I think I'm about done. <laughs> okay, let's see you later. All right, God bless y'all. This has been Coffee Time with Andy and Rini, and we will see you next time. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe in your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. And for even more from Andy and Rennie, visit coffeetimecolumn.com.